Yeehaw! Happy Friday. It's the besties. Yeehaw season, eh? <laughs> it's yeehaw season. Coming off a big night out. The country concert. Your summer began last night. It sure did. I'm feeling the vibe still this morning. Is this the first time you've like... I got an iced coffee this time. morning. That's how you know it's summer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have windows down coming in. Oh, I was ripping around. 520 in the morning. Adelaide this morning. What's going on? Now, well, is that your first time that you've had like a night out? Not. I'm not saying... I'm not putting anything... I'm not like... Telling you what your night was. Yeah. But first night out in a long time and how long since? Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, specifically th- during a weekday. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even, like, a dramatic evening. That, I, I knew you were going to say I that. I just like, justify like, my... I'm a pro. It's not like I was partying right No. I, I knew you were going to say the, that. The concert. So I went to Dirk's Bentley last night. Shout out to all the listeners that we were giving free tickets to this week. Um, it was only right you went. It was right. I had to just, you know, represent the fan morning show. Have you seen anyone who won tickets? Didn't ask you. Uh, no, but we did get, I did get a couple messages, but let me just tell you, you can't find a single person. If you got lost on the lawn at Bud's stage, you're not finding you're people until you're home. Yeah. That place is a zoo. Yesterday. Just, just wander into Liberty Village. And <laughs> it was jam maybe you'll, maybe you'll see someone, packed. you know. And I thought I went early enough that I'd get some spot because I want to see Jordan Davis before. I usually don't go like for the opener, but I like Jordan Davis. And I think everybody was there for Jordan Davis because it was, it was slammed. Mm. I would say the median age of that concert, 22. Ooh. You feel old? Did you feel old last yes, night? Yes, Justin. Really? I felt very old. 22 would be the median age. A mm. lot of people didn't make it through the evening. A lot of laying down on the grass night-night. It was puking in the bushes. It was very, and I haven't been to this, but I know about it, very boots and hearts on that lawn. Right. Dirk's electric the concert in general was great a lot of youths that were experiencing their mm. first bud stage of the summer and just went a little bit overboard not that i'm like saying the youths are coming from out of town because the youths are definitely in downtown toronto the youths were coming from out of town you can yeah they were a country concert to the go train they yeah. knew when the go train schedule was and then people were started to Head to the go train because they make a day of it. Like they if did. you're coming in, you're tailgating a little bit, you're hanging out in the parking lot, mm-hmm. you're making a day of it, right? And especially if you're going time. to two acts of Jordan Davis, who I'm not all that familiar with. He's good. We'll play a song. But if you're like back to back and you've been doing it all day, we're talking about you know a tailgate, and, and it we're was talking 30 about thirty plus. What yeah. the concert started? Dehydration. Oh, there's not a water was inside. How many paramedics were there? There, like, a few. Legitimately, there were paramedics. There's a couple of people that needed assistance mm-hmm. exiting. The only thing, my qualm. Summer in the city, baby. My qualm. That's correct, right? Qualm. Yeah, you got a qualm. I don't think I've ever said that word out loud on the radio. I just, I winged it's it. It's always nervous. <laughs> it's always uh, nerve-wracking. My here. qualm was. going to debut a new word today. <laughs> yeah, it's Friday, whatever, is exiting Bud Stage. For those of you that have been, you know that we're all filing down one pathway across one bridge and then immerse, emerging into the street. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. I'm like ready to go. Let's go home. I got work to do. Got to go watch the game one of the NBA finals. So I'm trying to like get myself down. You just have to just, you got to wait it out. And it's sticky, hot, drunk people at 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. That's the qualm. The designers, the architects just need to separate two ends, uh, two exits, not too much. Just build to another for. bridge. What, how hard <laughs> is that exits. to ask for? Two exits. It can't be Aren't a they fire. Like redoing a fire that entire area. Well, Isn't think, like Norway? Norway getting a spa or something put in there? Yeah, I think that there's something going on with Ontario Place. We should know this, but we're not 680 News. Someone will tell us. We'll go ask our folks. Yeah, that do like the they got the real news. <laughs> we can't do the real news. <laughs> anyway, really fun. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. Felt like summer though. I got some random text from you. What was that all about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't like. Random, I just needed to... No, it was random. I need, Well, it was actually. Do you use me as a notepad? Okay, I kind of did last night. I cannot believe you used me as a so notepad. So 8.50, I just opened my phone. 8.58 p.m., I sent you the following message. Nick Ritchie. Mm-hmm. And then you sent me question marks. And then at 9.20, I said Adam Henrique. That's because I saw those folks. Mitch Marner also. It was star-studded event. You saw Mitch? I, I was informed that Mitch was there okay. from a listener. Okay. Who said that they were by Mitch. Mitch. Mitch was with his posse on the floor. Nice. I wasn't privy to the floor. I'm up in the lawns. But Do you think it'd be awkward for him to be at a concert 1, in Toronto? 1,000%. Specifically because it is now Maple Leafs eyeball emoji season. And you can't like... 
let's say, let's say Marner didn't need a paramedic, but was having fun in the parking People lot. People filming him every, yeah, every like, second. You couldn't even like lose yourself in the concert no. because the moment you actually like enjoy music or someone else's art, mm-hmm. someone's going to be filming you and be like, oh, look at Mitch. A hundred percent. Like you can't. And people want photos with you, and they want I'm selfies sim- look with at me you. Sympathizing with Mitch Martin. Uh, I think he's okay. Yikes! But Adam Henrique, you could see those cheekbones from a mile away. I didn't. I've never he's, thought about his cheekbones. He can get lost in the music. <laughs> he was he's, enjoying it's himself. All safe. He was. He could do whatever he wanted, and so could Nick Ritchie, who I saw and stopped in my tracks. I almost said Nick Ritchie, but I was like, I gotta be a pro. Mm. I wanted to talk to that that fella. Should have booked him for the show. I should have. I was gonna just send. We should have a business card. Or you just pass it over and be like, fan morning show. Uh, here's our producer, Danielle's phone number. We'll be in We'll be in touch. We'll be calling you at 820. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Anyway, it is. Uh, you will be seeing the stars, whether they're from the Leafs or not, at some of these concerts. It's fun. It's people watching is just, it's, it's people watching season. Good. So if uh, any of our listeners, anyone who won the tickets, have some know. Dirk's stories, I let us know. I want to know what it was. Was, was Dirk's good? What did Dirk's close with? That's my last question. Okay. I kind of, I don't want to. Did you leave? No. God, no. That means he didn't close with one of his own songs. Mm. It was weird. So they played Drunk on a Plane, which is like one of the bangers. That's Send You on Your Way. But then they came back out on stage and they did this like 90s theme thing where they all wore like actual like costumes, like wigs and outfits. And they were playing 90s country songs that weren't theirs. You know, like chicken chicken fried uh it's a great day to be alive 90s country song chicken fried. well that's that's a bad example they were playing other country songs friends in low places yes they did play that there you go were you live streaming this no anyway it's they just a classic yeah they played some country songs that weren't theirs and then they ended the show on that hmm. and the way they ended it was the lights came on i swear it's so weird the lights came on i guess maybe their drummer was up on stage by himself and he's like i don't know if he's trying to do a stand-up honestly it's the weirdest end to a concert ever said he's like Oh, how's it going at Toronto? Um, <laughs> hey, guys. And he was, like, being really awkward. I think it was part of, like, the shtick. And mm. he said something about, like, speaking of Ubers, like, you know, and he was trying to make a joke. I know this is part of, the, like, the scripting of it. This isn't going to last the entire tour. By the way, this was stop one of their tours. So I think they're working through some things. <laughs> Evidently. And then the lights came on. And we were all like, is that the end of the concert? Didn't have, like, a big closing act. They played other songs for about 12, 15 minutes. And mm. then the lights came on. So I think maybe we'll work through that, Dirk. You should say, you should like rip the wigs off one last Dirk's banger so. and then that's it. They yeah. didn't do that. So interesting. Maybe you can send some constructive criticism over. So I, just I am right now. They tour. might be listening. They're on their bus there pulling like Yelp out. Yelp reviews for a concert. I thought it was a great concert, but I just thought the ending was strange. I've never seen that before. Maybe it's a new thing that they're, they're trying out. It's their tour. Stop one. Yeah. Nonetheless, shout right. out. Dirk's Bentley. Um, just as big of a star-studded day for other guests of the city of Toronto. I'm trying my best. Not a guest now. Brad Trey Living. Permanent presser. resident. We saw Brad Trey Living yesterday meet the media for the first time with his family up on the podium with Brendan Shanahan. And it was about a 25-minute long press conference. We had that here on the station. And then uh, Real Kipper and Bourne had... Trey Living on their show, mm-hmm. um, and of course the day was very Brad Trey Living heavy. Um, understandably, it's not often that you get a new general manager, only the 18th general manager in Toronto Maple Leafs history. So we got obviously some some clips we can break down of Trey Living, the press conference, what we learned, what we were left without learning, and how this kind of shapes the next month of talk radio in Toronto. So let's go with the uh, first impressions of of watching the Brad Trey Living con- uh, press conference. First impressions. Okay. Um, I guess my first impression would be that this guy's not trying to be the market. He's just being himself. Yeah, it came off authentic that that is him. Yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, this is, you know, when Brian Burke came in, and we're still, like, quoting Brian Burke because he came in with such force, right? And he came in so loud and brash, and this is how it's going to be. This was just a guy who loves to work in hockey, Mm -hmm. introducing himself to a media uh, or or a collection of media members. And I kind of like that. He wasn't, like, playing to the crowd. He wasn't trying to be someone that he wasn't. And I don't think he's going to try to play a role that he doesn't or he wouldn't intend to otherwise. Like, there was no bravado. There was no promises. I don't think he was trying to 
be the market, be the change. I'm this guy. I'm going to be your savior. No, it was just Brad Chaliving up there, which was something that I appreciated. I agree. I thought it was, I don't know, I think maybe, let's just say J.D. and Blake gave poor reviews to him. They said the C, C, C minus. Was it a C and a C minus to the press conference yesterday? Yeah, I think it was at least started there, maybe evolved a maybe little bit. Maybe because it was rea- like they had to react right away. But mm-hmm. I, I don't find that I give it, I'm giving it that low of a grade. I thought it was basically what I had expected from a GM new to the media, knowing that there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of things that he needs to work through. And yeah, he was a bit like cheesy, like he had a couple, you know, dad jokes, but mm-hmm. I didn't find it off-putting. I found it not charming, but okay, this guy's going to really enjoy being here. He obviously spoke highly about the franchise and what it means to be part of the Maple Leafs and how it is it is the creme de la creme, right? Um, I think he addressed some things that he needed to right off the top. Thought that was important. Like went through what happened, like some of the Calgary conversation uh, talked about how important, you know, some things on his to-do list is and we can get into that. But I thought it, I, I I thought it was fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the 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 criticism of it is like, okay, did you want like a performance? Did you want to be entertained? Do you mm. want it to be thrilled? Do you want to be on the edge of your seat and suddenly there's a cliffhanger at the end? Like I, I don't uh, the, like the the, cri- the criticism of how he performed or what you or or what you saw isn't as important as what you heard. Mm-hmm. And I think we did hear some real things. Uh, from the press conference. I mean, he doesn't have all the answers right now, but it it seems like we learned a lot of really important things. And, you know, a lot of general managers come in and temper expectation. That's That's kind of their job. It's like a safety mechanism. I think specifically I'll tweak it a little bit. I think he and the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to temper desperations. Hmm. Uh, the desperation of this franchise was palpable, right? It was palpable at the end of the season. At the start of the season, it's been that way for a long time because the window and the plans put forth by Kyle Dubas were in the process of failing, right? Yes. And I think when you start anew, which they have here with Brad for living, uh, you want time. You're Shanahan. You mentioned 18 general managers. Mm-hmm. He's been in charge with four of them. That's, That's right. over 20%. Over 20% of the general managers who've ever worked for the Maple Leafs have worked under Brendan Shanahan. Mm-hmm. It's over a century old. He's been here for less than 10 years. That is pretty substantial. It is pretty substantial. So it feels like he's at the end of the line. So what do you do when you're at the end of the line? You try to lengthen it a little bit. You try to buy yourself more time. And I feel like the Leafs are trying to, not that they like are closing the window, but they're distancing themselves from the Kyle Dubas era as much as possible because they want time. It's no longer desperate because they actually made a change. And like I think that's like my my primary takeaway from this is that they're kind of scapegoating Kyle without saying they scapegoated Kyle. Hmm. They're kind of pushing it aside and being like, no, we are not going to extend the window and be like, man, we have to make that desperate move that we thought Kyle was going to make, right? Yes. We thought, Kyle, there's no way you can't do something with the core four. There's no way you can keep the head coach but now that they actually have made a move, and self-preservation is something we talked about with Shanahan. Okay, you made your move. Now you can let this move actually play out and benefit you and actually get you over the line this time. So if you're Brandon Shanahan, you don't want Brad Living to come in here and make a panic move. Because then you're still where you, where you were. You're still where you didn't change anything about your reality. And you're putting yourself in a position where he could make a mistake and then everything is kaput. But if you start anew, if you truly start fresh, which they intend to do here under Brad Living, who's talking about how, oh, I've got to self-evaluate. I've got to have a conversation with this guy and a conversation there. And we've got to make sure that every single person that works here is right for this job or right for me and right for this situation. Well, what is, that takes time. So I think what they what they're tried to do yesterday was a hard reset. And I understand like that the situation is still dire in terms of the fans. But I feel like they're trying to move away with, from that as an organization. And because they made the move with Dubas, they feel, at least, that they've bought themselves time. And I don't expect anything panicky, anything knee-jerk, anything done out of haste when it comes to Brad for living. And I think that's important if... It's frustrating if you're it a fan. Is, yes, so that's 100%. frustrating. And maybe that's where the level of angst be, came from yesterday. A, a thing to be reminded of 
is the same kind of situation applied last year for the Florida Panthers Mm -hmm. who made that. And it's so convenient to be like, oh, Florida. But the same thing happened, right? They went really hard. And then it was the end of an era in a way. Like we hit a wall here. We got to make a change. And they made the change. And they took a serious step back. And was like, okay, we're going to build again. Oh, and in the process of building again, first step, you're in the Stanley Cup final. So So it's not like you can't win. But I don't expect them to be like, okay, I have to pick up where Kyle Dubas left off no. and do something drastic right now because what I've been trying to do is Kyle Dubas last five years hasn't worked. So the things that he could do that were drastic and maybe we, people wanted answers right away would have been, what are you going to do with Sheldon Keefe? Tell us right now. And he didn't give that answer right now. And we can play the Sheldon Keefe clips. We can also talk about what are you going to do with the core four? Well, he didn't sit up there and say, this is what I'm going to do with the core four. I'm going to um, trade Marner and we're going to sign Austin Matthews to a six-year contract extension. And this is the you know annual average free. He he didn't lay that out. He didn't say if he's going to sign Ilya Samsonov. Or, like, mm-hmm. He didn't lay this out. It's day one of the press conference. But he did acknowledge the timeline is tight. The parameters, the level of importance on a lot of these decisions are high. But I felt like he... He's approaching it with a really like professional level headed. I'm going to do my due diligence, but I'm also not going to undervalue how important this next move is. Right. So where do you want to start? Core four, Matthews, Keith. Well, uh, he started with Matthews. So I think okay. we should start with Matthews. Okay. And, and certainly that's the top of the list. So he was asked about the, you know, he, and he acknowledged how many things are important saying that there's like a couple things that are a one priority. Right. Mm-hmm. He kind of joked about it, but it, it's true. Like, and he said it. A1 priority, not winning. A1 yes. priority Austin Matthews. is signing Austin Matthews. And so it sounded like, and we can play that clip. Um, should we play the clip? Sure. Okay. So we have uh, Trey Living on communication with Matthews and his contract situation, which was very, very early on in the press conference, obviously notably very important. I've had a chance to communicate. I communicated with a few players. It's It's been a busy couple of days. I communicated with Austin via text. Um I know Judd, I've got a strong relationship with Judd. Obviously, we know where these contracts are at. Um, Austin is, is one of the elite players in the world. You know, we're not talking about a, a good player in the, in the league. We're talking about an elite player in the world. Um, getting to Austin is a priority. But outside of the contract stuff, number one is just getting to build that relationship. You know, it's not walking down and, and, and trying to arm wrestle about contracts. It's getting down and getting Austin, a ch- me getting a chance to meet him. But more importantly... Having Austin get a chance to meet me, that's priority number one. Um, we know all the things as it relates to all the players in their contract situations um, and the timing and all the challenges ahead of us, but we're, we're prepared to, to, to get after it. So I'm, I'm excited to not only get a chance to meet him, um, but thrilled to, to be able to work with him. And one thing that he didn't, we don't have uh, in that clip, but obviously he spoke for 25 minutes, is he was asked about the contract and he won't have any public discourse mm-hmm. on it. Which is so he's pandering to Matthews. Like, yeah. no, we're not. Gonna, don't worry. This is going to happen behind the scenes. That's, that's, that's right a message move. to Matthews rather than I think right anyone move. else. And it, of course, it's the right move. Mm-hmm. I, I think again, like, um, I don't want to bring Brian Burke into this because it's not really fair, and maybe his tune would have changed. But let's say this was Brian Burke twelve years ago, whatever it was, taking this scenario on. It would be much more brash. It would be like. We got to figure out if Austin Matthews wants to be here. You know, you know what I mean. Like it would be like more direct, more to the point. Where Tre Living, a relationships guy. I mean, tell us more about how much you like talking to people and <laughs> and meeting people and working with people, Mister Collaboration over mm-hmm. here. It seems like, yeah, he's more of a people person. He's a guy who wants to build a meaningful relationship. How fast can you build a meaningful relationships? How fast can you build trust? It's difficult to build trust. And I think you got to hit on the right notes just to put yourself in a position where that trust can build on a straight line trajectory. And he's setting himself up for that with, as you said, hey, we're not going to have public discourse. He also mentioned, and I think this is really important, he has a very strong relationship with Judd, what, whomever. Moldaver. Moldaver, who is Austin Matthews' agent. You were focused on Quam this morning. Quam. Judd. Let's just call him Judd. <laughs> Judd okay. First name basis. Judd's easy. He's Judd. Judd was probably at Dirk's last night. Yeah, Judd was there big time. He might represent Judd. <laughs> I mean, Dirk's. <laughs> okay, but he, you know, he mentions that he has a pretty strong relationship with him. That's important. He's probably flying to Arizona. Maybe he did yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got to get there this weekend for Bet sure. She's there today. He might be there. Uh, talking to Austin Matthews. And yeah, A1 priority. So I don't know what else you wanted 
in terms of that conversation, he acknowledges he's the number one thing they need to worry about. One of the best players in the world. And it's about getting that relationship going and started. And he has the level up maybe because he has the relationship with the agent. So I, I think the Matthews discussion or what he said about Matthews really, really formed my opinion more than anything. And that p- opinion being like, okay, not that the window is closed, but the era is over. Like the this era that we've been like so obsessed with over the last five years and plus is over in a way. Because when you think about Austin Matthews, like that next contract always sort of necessitated a small step back, right? Mm. Like you, you not, I mean, maybe before the pandemic, before the salary cap didn't rise the way it was supposed to, maybe you wouldn't have to do that. But when you're meeting the crossroads of the Matthews extension and the John Tavares contract coming up, there was always going to be some sort of like, not not like a break in the action, not like a a, a, a period of time it's where... It's like turning a new page is a new chapter. Yeah, there was going to be some sort of reset. It always necessitated that. And I think what they're, use, they're planning on using or planning on doing is using that reset, Matthews, mm-hmm. as really the time where it's like, okay, we're going to trend towards this and then I'm going to put my stamp on it then. And I think his stamp, Brad Living's stamp, and that's why it's priority one... And why the success or failure, at least in the short term, hinges ex- exclusively on Matthews because he gets to start with that Matthews extension. Mm-hmm. He said that was priority one, not winning. It they was didn't not, even talk about winning. It was not. Yeah, it wasn't about breaking up the core mm-hmm. four. It was getting to know the core mm-hmm. four and protecting the core four and making sure Austin Matthews was happy. So I, I do think that what the main thing, and I, I've said it a couple times, is that we should take from this is that he wants to take his time. He wants to reset. He wants to make sure that he's putting Austin Matthews in a position to succeed. If he in fact gets that signature, it feels like everything, every bit of energy is going to be poured into just getting that done. And then we'll take it from there. When you say he wants to take his time, I still don't feel like there's like a lack of urgency. I feel like you can be, you can do both, right? Do you think that this, this next, this off season is going to be dipping your toes into the water. I don't think you would hire. Well, I don't, I don't think you're making a core four change. Well, let's talk. About I don't core think, four, I then. don't think you're changing the DNA, right? I don't think you're changing the culture, the mm-hmm. structure, because you don't know it yet. You've said it a million times. I don't know the situation here. So why would he come in and start torching things? Well, it kind of aligns with what Brandon Shanahan had reportedly said when he called the core four or, or six and talked about how he really wants them to stay. Brad Trey Living seems to be in the same camp. He did say something about, I'm not going to make just make a statement to make a statement, which would be trading the core for it, right? Mm-hmm. If he takes his time and evaluates, and that's the best method of action, I feel like he is the right guy to pull that trigger for that. But it doesn't seem like he's in a rush to say, yep, let's change things up right away. People, person, make the relationship, see if it's going to fit. Um, did say they were going to review everything, though, when asked mm-hmm. about the core four. Straight up asked, like, what do you want to do with these guys that make a lot of money and they're the core four? And he said, this isn't about the core four. This is about the Maple Leafs. This yeah. isn't about yes. four players. This is yeah. about 23 on this roster. And, and that's that's like further proof, right, that he doesn't plan on doing anything mm-hmm. until he knows but I think there is another benefit to slow playing, which you can reduce it from a core four to a core three and by put, waiting. And put Matthews in his own no. world? Or? You eliminate John Tavares from the equation. Oh. Because John Tavares is two years left. And if you t- intend to slow play it, let's say they just go into the season. We're going to try to ice the best roster. We're going to sign Austin Matthews, try to ice the best roster we can. We're not going to do anything real drastic, though. All of a sudden, you've then entered or reached that really critical stage, but also the one where there's the built-in excuse. Because mm-hmm. Matthew's earning $15 million now, and John Tavares is really old now. How are we supposed to win with those two things? But then the year after that, John Tavares is gone. Gone cap- or, p- or on a $1 million less. deal, $2 million <laughs> okay. deal. He's in the career transition yes. program a la Mark Giordano, Jason Spezza. Into following the front the path office. of those legends <laughs> into the front office. Then he'll make some more real money after that, and John Tavares will be fine. But if you... You, you kind of like, okay, this is free roll at the table this year. This is a Florida Panthers season. Hey, maybe we reach the Stanley Cup final in this season where a little bit less pressure because Brad Living's building his network. Then the next season, that's the step back season. And that's okay because you plan for it all along. And then the next year, when the cap goes up, you've got Matthew signed. John Tavares is earning way less money. 
you have all these resources at your disposal. You've injected the system with a little bit more talent. That's when you can really strike. When, when I'm thinking about yesterday, that's like the plan that I see Brad for living try to lay out for himself. Where that step, you're, you're chewing on that, that last year of John Tavares' contract because you always had to. Kyle Dubas is going to chew on that. Mm-hmm. You're not making anything. You're not doing anything in haste for this upcoming season because you don't know these players yet. But really, when we talk about winning, and it sucks. It sucks if you're a Leaf fan. They've been at it forever. Treading water sucks. But three years from now might actually be the season. Because why wouldn't you plan for that if you're Brad for living? But less pressure on yourself. Brandon Shanahan buys himself two and a half years more of, of um, employment. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that they would target that over then trying to do something right now and extending Kyle Dubas's run and making the mistake that not that Kyle Dubas would have made because maybe he'd make the right move. But you're not you're forcing your own hand if you do that, and that's what and that leads us to Sheldon Keefe, and that leads us to all mm-hmm. these other little decisions. But anything that was being preached yesterday was about time. And if you look at the timeline, that just may mean they closed the window and they were preparing to open it quickly again. Five ninety five ninety. Let's get your thoughts as well on the way the Brad Trailing press conference went because I feel like we're gonna have. Maybe mixed reviews, right? People might have wanted way more action, way more. Let's get this offseason going with some major moves. This is, you know, the window is now. The window is now. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not in the same camp of it closing and maybe opening for a different timeline. Uh, what would you have wanted more from Brad Trailing? Initial reactions in terms of your your satisfaction level because this is the this is the new era, right? You only get one opportunity to have your very first press conference. Put a perspective, uh, put a face to who you are. Um, was it enough for you? You can send that in at five ninety five ninety. Um, okay, so Keith, obviously another major pressing decision that he needs to make. Uh, talked about that being priority ha 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 one a b like they're all together and very important. It sounded like this weekend is another. I don't know how he's going to do both, but maybe this week in terms of talking to Sheldon Keith and Austin Matthews, but. Same kind of temperature about got to get to know the guy. Got to get to chatting with him. He can do both because he apparently makes his off-season home in Arizona. There you go. One-stop shopping. He can go to Sheldon Keefe and and have a conversation, get to know the guy and see if he's the right shape, future for this organization as well. So once again, I, I couldn't really read into if that meant he loves the guy, doesn't know the guy. He said, I don't really know him very well. And that might be a good thing. Yeah, I think I, well, it it depends on what you define as good or what your expectations are of good. If you like desperately want them to win this season, which I guess you do. What an unbiased analysis of Sheldon Key from him. And he said he doesn't have any preconceived notions of the guy. If you don't have preconceived notions, which is like, yeah, I'm entering everything with no preconceived notions, then it's okay. We're going to have a discussion. We're going to work together for in the short term here. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we figure out if you're the right guy. And uh, right now, that probably means fired or contract extension which is so strange couldn't be more opposite because because yeah I, what i mean what the sensible thing is and maybe they go the sensible route but the sensible thing to me is let them coach for a bit and see and see how they react to the start of the season do they get off to another bad start does this team look like it wants to play for sheldon keith is there another option available that is so obviously hit you over the head better that you have to take it doesn't feel I, like there is one right now so are you making a move to make a move and he said he's not making a move to make a move yeah so why would we expect anything else but sheldon keith coaching this team come training camp? that's where i'm at too? if you're not making a move to make a move then sheldon keeps the coach but i think the time kind of bit them on that one though if you fired sheldon keith the very end of the season there would have been a window here where less people were off the market and you could have maybe looked for the right replacement. I think that they've pushed themselves up against the wall a little bit in terms of who, who's available that's a better fit than Sheldon Keefe. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what just happened with picking a GM. You're looking at who's available. And I don't think the Maple Leafs should go with a GM yeah. of who's available right. yeah, and a head 100%. coach of who's available. Yeah. So if you hold on to Sheldon Keefe and you give him another opportunity, you know, remember when they went on that West Coast road trip last year and we thought he was going to get fired and yep. he came back and they absolutely demolished people for a month straight. Mm-hmm. Who's to say they don't have another slow start to the season and you do make that decision, right? I think that they've, they've put themselves in an uncomfortable position where there isn't really a lengthy list of better options right now. Maybe there's one in the fall or oh, winter. Yeah. Or I maybe mean, there's an internal option, but you just lost Spencer I, Carberry. I think they would be nuts to use that bullet now. 
because of what they said. I mm-hmm. mean, you said backs against the wall with the GM. They're actively trying to keep their back off the wall. Mm-hmm. Everything we heard yesterday was, okay, uh, we're, we're okay here. We have backs not against the wall. Yes. We have time. We're going to talk. We're going to do this. We're going to. It's all about preaching patience, or it was yesterday. So why would you rush to make a coaching move that could blow up? If you mm-hmm. go through the process, you let Sheldon Keefe actually coach the team without an extension. Because what I think an extension is a bit, a bit yeah, much. Can we have unless him you coach? Wanna, unless you want to actively burn money, like if that's Ooh. a thing. If you're if you're okay with yeah, you know maybe you, maybe this investment will help him just do his job. And if it doesn't go well, whatever we chew on the the extra salary, and it's not a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal, but that's probably not the best way to operate as a business. But the best way to b- operate here, I think, is yeah, just let it play out. Because if you're going to be patient. If you're not going to be like, hey, if we don't have the best record in the Atlantic Division at the end of October, we're going to be really, really disappointed, then maybe you make the move Mm -hmm. now. But it doesn't seem like that's the be-all, end-all. So let the process play out. Save your bullet if you're Brad Living. Find the guy you actually want in the time that it'll, or that, because time permits you to do that. Uh, it, It doesn't make any sense to move on from the coach unless you have to win this year or you are an abject failure. And everything we heard yesterday is that's not the case. And I, I don't know what it's like to be a new GM to go talk to a coach for the first time, but you're something drastically has got to be off if you meet him this weekend and you're like, this is not the guy to lead this team. You know, like, what is he going to say or how is he going to Yeah, if he's doing the, if he's doing the Kyle Dubas, my heart isn't in it thing, then yeah, then maybe you different. move on. But he's going to obviously want to keep his job. So I, I can't imagine this weekend going poorly. I feel like Sheldon keeps. Got a little bit more leash than I had expected. I thought he would be fired, but now time has passed. It's June 2nd, and it's a weird time to be deciding to make that mm-hmm. move. Um, okay, let's keep going here. We got Brandon Shanahan, too. We got to hear I from think him. Shanahan was the most fascinating part of yesterday. I do think that we saw a different Brendan Shanahan that we probably had seen ever. He looked broken. Did he look... Did he look broken. like... Not like less of a man that's really strong, oh, but like less of a force... Well, because like his I think, shoulders are down a little bit and his face is a little like there's a I, it might be clouding my judgment a little bit. You don't think that eh? Ooh, it might be clouding I'll, my judgment a little bit that I watched him get mm-hmm. introduced nine years ago, two days ago. And this guy looked mm-hmm. young and I'm like aging process happens to everyone. I look completely different than I looked nine yeah, years ago. Seriously, Everyone looks different over the course of nine years, but he didn't look confident yesterday. He looked like the tail was tucked between his legs. He looked like he was unsure. He looked like he'd been humbled by what happened. He looked like he was wearing the effects of the last month all over him. I think that he, yes, I think he looked different in a sense of more like maybe like, I you use the word humbled, and I think that mm-hmm. that's appropriate. Um, but I don't. Not going as far as I went there? You no, know, I don't think he. Less of a man is <laughs> too much. He said, yeah, that's a lot. He said something where, like, that I wrote down here. This isn't about me suddenly feeling pressure. I've always felt pressure, right, in terms of, like, making a brash decision to hire a GM. I think that he's coming to the realization that this might be one of the final opportunities for him. Mm-hmm. And now he is having to wear a little bit more of the face than he had previously, right? He could hide behind being the president that had a GM that was more, like, the pain sponge that he was looking for and it didn't work out. And now he had to have a pretty blunt press conference. And that was the last time we saw him. So keep that in mind too. The last time we saw him, he was like bearing his heart and soul and timeline of this conversation with Dubis. And you saw this, like this disappointment and anger in him. Right. But two weeks ago, so yesterday felt different because did he not look more uh, like someone with more vigor to him even two weeks ago? Definitely, but he was also coming on here to tell everyone that he and Kyle Dubas. But this is a new era. I mean, the time to puff your chest out Mm -hmm. is you made a new hire. You just found the guy. Then, if you felt that way about it, I I don't know. I I mean, I I just think that's maybe the reality of life where this has beat him down a little bit. Hundred percent. He's disappointed. He might be a little embarrassed. Imagine him. (laughs) We also just talked about Kyle, or we haven't talked about it yet. Kyle Mm -hmm. Dubas started. You know, announced that he was going somewhere else simultaneous to this yes. event in Maple Leafs land. Like, it just felt like the Shanahan who came with promises and came with confidence and came with pedigree and came with all the, these ideas and came with just the the belief in himself that he was going to get this done. Nine years after the fact, fourth GM, embarrassed, challenged. I think it's definitely weighing on him. I, I think it was. I, I think this has changed him away in a way, and I think it was written all over his body language. 
What did you make of uh, their conversation about how him and Brad will work? how their tandem well, will go together because that's very important. And we've all learned a lot about MLSE and a lot about the Maple Leafs front office in the last two weeks, things that we had never really even had a insight on. And mm-hmm. so that was certainly a line of questioning and people wanted to learn about how you were going to work with Brad. Well, he said Brad is a collaborative person mm-hmm. and I, I think they were banging that drum as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to, we're going to work together on this. Uh, I will say though, based on, you know, Shanahan's demeanor, maybe the fact that he's been like, man, maybe I should take my hands off a little bit. Like maybe I, maybe I, maybe I drove away the guy that should still be here. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the right time to work under Shanahan. Maybe Trill Living will have some of the power Dubas was searching for just because of what's happened and some learnings and some key takeaways from the handling of the guy that you anointed as the person who was actually going to lead change and, and, and lead this organization to uh, the promised land. I, I think maybe Maybe this is the right time for Tre Living to, yeah, to still work under the same hierarchical stru- hierarchical structure. Oof, tough one. That was tough. Um, but he's still going to have a voice. It's just maybe Tre Living gets a little bit more of what Dubas wanted, based on based on what happened, based on history, based on learnings, and based on the situation that both of them are facing. And he said the right things that, you know, ultimately the GM makes a decision and we're collaborative and our relationship will not be all that different than the good relationship I had with Kyle Dubas. So he said all the right things. He wasn't like, oh, things are changing big time. Like we're 50-50. But I, I do think that you, you nailed it. Maybe he learned a little bit about losing someone. <laughs> it's dramatic. But losing someone that was maybe the right fit and now you're going to make a fit with someone else that you clearly have a good relationship with. He seems like a lovely person. But the pressure can also make things less tenable, right? And it didn't seem like he was really in a pressure cooker yesterday. It felt like when he was more exhausted um, from this whole situation. Um, okay, anything else from the press conference? We'll have more time, by the way. We're going to talk to Terry Koshan um, from the Toronto Sun. We have John Morosi, of course, our weekly John Morosi hit on a Friday. And Greg Wyshynski and Brett Siegel, NBA chat at the end of the show. Yeah, I think the only other thing was like, <clears throat> um, Trill Living was very complimentary of the people that came before him. I thought about of you. The people that were the there. house, the house analogy yesterday was dynamite. He said, "I'm the beneficiary of the people that came before me," mm-hmm. and so what? What are you supposed supposed to glean from that? Uh, I'm not really sure. Is There's he, a level of respect, I think. Yeah, but mm-hmm. is he pandering to the people that Kyle hired? And he's like, "We can work together. Possibly. Don't worry. I like what you guys are doing." Is it? Hey, there's not much wrong here. Uh, we're going to have to make some changes, but I don't feel like we need to do anything right now. Is that him just like setting the tone mm-hmm. for the patient approach that he kind of put out there? I think he's just generally a good guy who probably wants to keep the connection mm-hmm. with Kyle. And he, it, was it him that called him a close confidant? Yes. Someone called him, it was Trill Living. So, yes. I mean, you don't want to burn that bridge there. There's still a working relationship, I guess, with Dubitz in, Pits, in Pittsburgh. But yeah, it felt like, you know, it, maybe that was the thing that was triggering if you were someone who wants to see such massive upheaval and change and like real desperation because Tre Living's coming into something where, yeah, he maybe he doesn't mind being the caretaker a little bit, at least momentarily while he sorts everything out, sorts through all the information and then makes his move. I feel like there's just a little bit of a, hey, I respect what I've been given. I have a handful of really talented players and I didn't have any hand in getting that, right? So I appreciate where I'm at. And now the decision and the movement forward is mine. Let's talk about Dubis quickly because this was also very interesting timing. And I don't know if it affected them much um, in terms of what they went on the podium to talk about. And I joked about this yesterday. Wouldn't it be crazy if Dubis announces at mm. 1030 uh, what happened? Dubis and the Penguins announced yesterday, literally at 1030 when this press conference was at 11, that Dubas is hired as the president of hockey operations in Pittsburgh. Coincidence or not? I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a calculated move. I know it sounds good and fun and dramatic to say that they did that on purpose. It was a Thursday. Everything needs to be Stanley wrapped Cup up. final starts, yeah. Yeah, you literally have to make this announcement yep. today or yesterday or today. Do you do this on a Friday, like a news dump that Kyle Dubas was fired on a Friday on a news dump? I, I just, mean, you hire him Thursday and be like, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I don't and think that, that's You a, could have done that's that. That's crazy. But still, it's the same. It's kind of the same thing. You would announce it yesterday. Maybe it's a 
10% of a little bit of pettiness, but it's, you know, you're whatever you worry about yourself. Keep your eyes on your own page. Yeah. I'd say double digit percentage pettiness, yeah. but that's, it's not the whole thing. It's, it's not the not lion's the share. Thing. Another key thing is like, if you do it quickly, if you do it, it did it yesterday during the true living press conference, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. You prevent Toronto media from coming and down. I, I think that that might cer- cer- certainly, sorry, yeah. be part of it. So I, I think that is uh, a reasonably, you know, big part of it. Like they made the announcement, then they did the press conference. There wasn't, hey, we'll do it tomorrow. And then, you know, we got yeah. Luke and Fox then, flying then you, down yeah, there. You've of got course. him diverting from Vegas to Pittsburgh <laughs> so we can complete the, you know, the four city traffic, four city traffic, uh, the four city uh, June trek. Um, yeah. I, I, Whatever. It was funny. I'll take it. It was good content. The Pittsburgh Twitter feed. Tweets out, yeah, Tom and Greg, and they can from do succession. that. Of course, you do, oh, you have fun with lean it. Lean into it. At this point, like you know, you you got the guy that you wanted, who mm-hmm. just left the Toronto Maple Leafs and is now the president of hockey and operations. This job is perfect for Kyle Dubas. It is good it's for perfect. him. Perfect. It's perfect. You get to flex what you are the best at, which is identifying pro talent and building around a core. Like you can mm-hmm. you can say it doesn't work in the postseason, but that might be the core four's fault because the core four is something different in the regular season than it is the playoffs. Sidney Crosby does not have the same ghosts and demons and closets and under beds. He's won multiple Stanley Cups, so that's not really a concern. So he's going to be able to surround an existing core with talent, and then he can build for the future. He gets the autonomy he wants. He gets the promotion he wants. Mm -hmm. It's strange that a guy who's had no success and just got fired gets promoted somewhere else, but that's just the reality for Kyle Dubas. I will say, just on the timing, the world doesn't stop because Toronto's doing something. Pittsburgh had to make its hire. Yeah. They had to make its hire before the weekend. They had to have its press conference before the weekend. And I think part petty, part strategic. Sure. Part just the reality of the situation. I agree. Um, but it would be fun if it was mostly petty. The the funny tweet, if you've seen Succession, Greg and Tom with the sticker, just go look that out. It doesn't really make sense, though, if you're... I think it makes sense. But you're saying that... I mean, it's not like, this is Greg. Well, like, yeah, like, it kind I, of I is. Don't, yeah, nah, it's just like... But you can le- d- we can read into so it too, many, literally, for sure. There are so many bad succession memes out there. That's true. So many. Everyone, everyone who watches the show and who is on Twitter is desperate mm-hmm. to try and be like, hey, look at this funny comparison I made to something that I cover in real and life. And I did that yesterday, so thanks for calling me there out. There you go. <laughs> I, maybe it was bad. And this one wasn't necessarily bad. It was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, oh, we chose you. That's... That's the thing mm-hmm. that relates yeah, to succession. He, you we won. You are you. the winner of yeah. succession. We got you. We got our guy. Sounds like Tom or Greg is Tom's guy. <laughs> yes. Well, sounds like Jason Spezza also uh, could be headed to Pittsburgh. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people that maybe he's more of the Greg that make mm, there you go that make their way over to Pittsburgh. I mean, Kyle Dubas is now the president of hockey operations. He can basically pick and choose whoever he wants. If that's the way it's going to work with MLSE and the Maple Leafs, I don't know how you work through all those things, but he has a role and. I think there's two other interesting things we we didn't really figure out, but we we heard about is, and it's important. Brad Trey Living won't be really able to be at the draft table with the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Uh, your GM won't be at the draft. I think that that's really interesting. I want to learn a little bit more about what that means in terms of can he be just in a different room? Can he be texting? Like it's just yeah. I don't get it. But also Dubis might have some stipulations and some rules about can he be at the draft table for Pittsburgh? But since it's Fenway Group, they might be able to. Like skirt around that. Nonetheless, a really weird thing to be like, hey, your your biggest thing at the end of this month is the draft, but you also can't be at the table. But you're the new GM of this team. There might be big trades that come up. There might be big, big opportunities to move. But does he just have to wear his comfy shoes because he's been walking around the whole time? I don't know how it works, but uh... I I I mean, like it sounds so stupid, and that sounds like the most petty thing that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure he's going to have his voice heard at the NHL draft, be it through the drafting mm-hmm. of players, although there might be, only be a couple uh, and only one in the first five rounds, um, but also through trades. Like, he's going to be involved. He's going to be GMing, so I'm not really concerned about it. Okay. Um, we're going to take a break, um, but we can talk baseball. we got to get a little Blue Jays talk in there quickly. Do we? <clears throat> what? They won yesterday. I guess. How about this? I mean, I, yeah, they did. <laughs> How about this Kevin Gosman? Mm-hmm. Honestly, American League Cy Young, American League Cy Young. And, and the conversation needs to we need to be spending more time talking about Kevin Gosman. Another game, uh, 10 plus K's fifth time this season, highest in the MLB. He has been man like he is so steady. It's such a level of confidence when he gets out there. 
once again last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. It was a nice day game um, for the kids. Absolutely delivered because, hey, be thankful that he delivered because Blue Jays, 0 for in runners in scoring position again. Mm-hmm. They get three runs in the first off two homers, and that's it for the entire game. So lucky that you have Kevin Gosman on the mound, and the bullpen was pretty good too, to keep that locked in because a 3 nothing win is tight. Like, it's... It's a level of confidence in your your guy in the starting on the on the mound, but not in everything else. So yeah, it's very simple. You mm-hmm. probably lose that game if it's, not Kevin if it's anyone but Kevin Gosman, and that's the value of Kevin Gosman. And Eric Swanson pitched scoreless innings, and Jordan Romano earned his 13th save of the season. Uh, but it is all Kevin Gosman right now for the Blue Jays in terms of my level of confidence. Um, they're headed to New York to play the Mets. Uh, big weekend. We'll talk to John Morosi, who has been like on the Mets beat, like the guys like living on in the Mets world down there, which is perfect timing because that is perfect. Timing. It's a good weekend uh, for the blue Jays. We'll have some good pitchers, uh, good pitching matchups for sure. Uh, headed down there. Um, okay. we got the a list. Then we got Terry Koshan um, from the Toronto sun to break down some more of this press conference. John Morosi at seven 30, Greg Wyshynski at eight o'clock. And then Brett Siegel, NBA insider to f- Wrap up our Friday. You can send your wake and rake picks in also at 590-590 and your thoughts and vibes on the Brad Trey Living Press Conference. We'll read those throughout the show. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. Stop, baby. Okay, I might have been inspired after a story... Came across my timeline. Here we go. <laughs> a lovely, lovely woman named Regine Fairhead. Say again. Regine Fairhead. Okay. Who's 96 years old. Oh. <laughs> Wait, why do you say oh like that? I know where you're going. She broke a world record at an Ottawa race this weekend uh, in a 5K. She broke the world record in the women's 95 to 99 age category by more than three minutes, finishing a 5K in a record of 51 minutes and nine seconds. Mm. But 10 minutes per K? She's an absolute weapon out there ripping around as a 96-year-old in pristine shape. And I think I'm ready to make a commitment in honor of this I think I'm ready to maybe run. Uh, maybe run a what marathon this year? Really, this year? So I need some advice though because I've always wanted to to run a marathon or even a half marathon. But first of all, it seems overwhelming to train for. Like I don't even know where you begin. Do I just start running? I uh, yeah. And I'm lazy. Yeah, I think so. I'm lazy to do the research. <laughs> okay, I don't know how you start to prepare for. A marathon, but there are many marathons that you mm-hmm. can run in the city of Toronto. And if I've circled one, possibly in October, and it is now June, is that even enough time to prepare myself? I don't know how to do this, but I want to do it. I, by saying it on the radio, I have to hold myself accountable for it. So I think I'd like to commit right now on June 2nd to running. Let, should I, I should probably start with a half. So like, let's be realistic here. I was not inspired by a, what, 91-year-old, you said? She's 96. 96-year-old. Uh, but I was a little out of shape after university. I was like, oh, I got to kind of- did you practice? Kind of get, get things going here. So I just signed up for a half marathon See, this, on a whim. And it makes you do it. It definitely makes you do it. I didn't do probably enough research on marathon See, and half marathon training. I just like ran on a treadmill and I tried to like extend, extend, did extend, you even extend. Run on the road? I did, but it was like winter when I was training. Oh, okay. So then you'd get to the road and you'd eventually get to the point where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to simulate that training. Like you'd like I'm sure if you now it'd be a little easier, a little bit more information out there, it'd be easy well, to Well, that's like, also what the text out. line's for. <laughs> and the text line tell you exactly what to do. But uh it's a big commitment. I'm ready for it, I think, Justin. And I thought I adequately prepared for just a half. Did you get your when butt I was younger? Or what? And uh, well, I'm not trying to win the marathon. I just want to complete. No, it. I mean I completed it. I did hit a wall, though. I did hit a wall. So I, don't, I, like, I don't know if I trained enough. I don't know if I okay. ran enough simulated well, half marathons to feel good. But what I'm saying is, you're gonna have to do it pretty much every day, every other day. Okay. Some running training. I could do that all summer long. Yep. And that hey, might cut into your be- social time it's a, a little bit. Beautiful 
a beautiful and time. It's hot out there. Like you can yeah, barely golf. That's going to make my cardio even better. It's like running with one of those altitude masks on. We used to do that in college. Anyway, you know what? Live a little. I mean, I'm not stopping you. So, but I think you're gonna. It's we'll quite talk a about this though. throughout the show because people hopefully will give me some advice. If there's a half or a full marathon in October, I think there's certainly there will be. There will be. I, no, there is. I just looked at the, there's there's a couple. I'm very much interested in pushing myself, making that commitment right now, signing up for it, put my money in, and put my money where my mouth is, and get running. That's, I mean, there's nothing like, okay, I just spent money, now I have to justify the spend. Like, mm-hmm. that's the biggest motivation to work out for me in the world, because I hate wasting my own money. I do like running as well, which Although is important. Although it doesn't cost you much to... It's like 50 bucks. Yeah. But still, I, I want to embarrass myself. I'm telling all our listeners that I want to do it. If I don't do it, they're not going to believe a single thing I ever say on this radio again. I can't hold myself accountable. I'll be a fraud. So if I do you it... You talked about your hockey team already, right? Yeah. So you, you're I'm also be doing that. The best shape of my life. I'm just saying, you like, there's a lot on the table what, there. How hard is it to find 30 minutes to run? You don't need, you need more than 30 minutes. I get it. You need to be running for like two yeah, hours. Yeah, but not right now. I'm saying by. I got to get myself ready for that. By late August, okay. if you're doing October, you're going to be half. You're. We're talking about half. If you're doing a marathon, you're talking about running for like three hours. So I don't know if marathon is the right twice step. A week. Why don't we start with half? Okay, do a half. Marathon. I like to run. We don't do anything. Who likes to run? We leave here at 901, Justin, and we don't do anything all day. Let me go run. sleep. Recharge the battery. So I can also fit in a run and a nap. Dirk Spentley. Okay, help me out, 59590. Am I crazy for doing this? But I want to do it. My 96-year-old inspiration. Do it. But also, I've wanted to do this for a long time, so I just need an excuse to come on here and say it. Do it. Live. It's good because anytime you're in a conversation with me like this, oh, I, I ran a half marathon once. Or I'm like, oh, I'm currently training. Training. <laughs> That's always... I'm training for a why, half. When you say you're training, why do you have to say, oh, I'm training. Why do you have to say it like Some that? Of, Everyone says it like that. Okay, well, I don't know what I just got myself into, but let's talk about it later. Send in your tips and suggestions. How do I do this? Am I? Can I do it? Yes, I can do anything. You can do it. If my girl, Regine, can do it, I can do it. Well, she did 5K. <laughs> Whatever. It's equivalent. She's 96. Terry Koshan joins us on the other side of the break. People East reporter at the Toronto Sun. Uh, let's talk first impressions of the new Toronto Maple Leafs GM.